You are listening to the You Are Techie podcast, episode number 48. Welcome to the You Are Techie podcast, where it's all about growing in your techiness so you can find the tech job of your dreams. And now your host, technology learning coach, Ellen Toomey. This episode is brought to you by The Mom Project. The Mom Project is the leading career destination for moms, and it's on a mission to build a better workplace for women and everyone. We move forward when we move together, and The Mom Project provides you with both community support, over 300,000 moms deep, and job opportunities designed to meet you where you are and help you to grow and achieve throughout your journey. Sign up for The Mom Project now at themomproject.com. See what opportunities await you. Alexander Thomas is a former Starbucks barista and stay-at-home mom turned creative and people-focused front-end developer. If you want to know how someone can go from staying at home to being in tech, the answer is by adding value. Want to know how Alexander did that? Take a look at her LinkedIn profile. Not only did she own the position of new to tech, she wrote about it in vivid detail with the flair that only comes from someone taking you on a journey. Her portfolio is one of the best newbie portfolios I've ever seen, displaying her UX, WordPress, and development chops. She now works for the Billy Graham Association doing a plethora of development and design tasks, from minor website changes to complete redesigns. She likes to view her place in the world as bridging the gap between development and design. Some may call her a unicorn. Alexandra is a great example of how focus, determination, and belief will get you to your goal. She lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with her husband, Aaron, and their four-year-old son, Aiden. Alexandra, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Does it feel so funny to hear someone talk about your background like that? Yes, and it's amazing too it's it's one of those like ah (laughs) remember when you weren't hired i do (laughs) yeah i know (laughs) that's what they want to know what was it like when you got hired um it was jaw dropping because it was like you you, like you you're you think you're in a dream you're like oh i just got hired but then you're also like i did it so it's such a huge feat and um but it felt like it was going to be forever, but I think everyone's in that same boat, but that time will come. <laughs> what about fear? Any fear when you got hired? Uh, yes. Again, new environment, see what tech they're going to use. Um, again, you don't know how the flow of work goes. But overall, like when I was being interviewed through Zoom means, because again, the whole COVID thing, making mm-hmm. things different, um, a lot of my coworkers and my managers seemed very genuine and friendly. So that made it a little bit easier that my first day when I was showing up, I was like, okay, I think they're all nice. They're all sincere. So it shouldn't be too scary. <laughs> yeah. And you're actually going into the office. You just told, I was surprised to hear that. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I thought I was going to be remote for quite some time, but they're like, no, we're going to come in. We're just going to regulate a lot of things, which there's pros and cons because it's nice to have my own space for work. And then when I'm home, I'm home. Yeah. I'm still doing freelancing stuff. I have that more like, oh, it's nice to, you know, be away, you know, back. Right. You're away so you can actually like miss it. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. And I don't hear a screaming toddler running around and you know, yeah. being, but even though that's awesome too. <laughs> but how was the transition with Aiden? Like, did you, were you able to figure that out in your childcare and all that? Was that a stress? Yeah. Or? I mean, the, the advantage is that my husband still works fully remote and nice. so our roles switched. So yeah. it was quite comedic when I came home my first week. He was all disheveled and tired. He's just like, oh, I forgot to do laundry. I'm cooking dinner. And then there's my son being like, mommy. And he's all like dressed up in a Batman costume. He loves his costumes. And he's like, it's so good to see you. So it's like this happy seeing me, but also my husband being tired. And I'm like, it's okay if the dishes are dirty or, you know, like, it's okay. I, I understand. Yeah, that's Before amazing. Before was kind of like, come on, you can do it. So... So was he the type of husband, like, you knew he would, uh, like, he's cut out for this role? Or were you like, this is going to be something different? Um, it was 50-50 because I know <laughs> he's, he's, he's really good at, like, he'll get things done. And usually sometimes I have to tell him, like, hey, can you please do this? But mm-hmm. lately I don't have to say anything. And I come home, he's like, I did this, I did this and this. And mm-hmm. then work was, and I was like, wow, blown away. Mm-hmm. Being like, I, I, not saying he's not incapable of this, but it's just right. like, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> Right, and it wasn't the way it was. It wasn't. No, it no. Yeah. So, because I understand, because he was in the office and then coming back tired. So again, it's just it's more of a flip flop, but it's it's all good. Right. <laughs> well, I know a lot of them, and I'll talk to you. They'll they're like, no, no, no. You just don't. My husband couldn't do it. Like he could, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I feel like because my husband does a lot more around the house. When when the kids were little, he traveled and was in graduate school and went into an office. All those things. So I did everything. So it felt like he could never do that, right? Because he was disconnected from the house. But like the more he did things, like the more natural it became. And now we have our system and now we have, you know, and he's like, he's a way better cook than me. I mean, just hands down. I mean, I don't like cooking. I don't like housework. I don't like anything. That's fine. I like kids, but I don't like any of the other stuff. (laughs) No, I made the joke because again, I'm, I, I, my, I'm Italian. So I I, I love cooking. And, uh, I said that if I passed away that my, I'm going to, you know, be in heaven and my husband's going to join a couple days later because he's not going to know how to cook. (laughs) And so I'm just like, you're going to starve to death. And he would laugh and be like, yeah, that's probably true. But then now he's been cooking, not necessarily like go full out, like with pasta and this and that. And like what I would do, but stuff that I'm like, wow, this is amazing. You know how to make this better than me, or Mm -hmm. this is your key signature thing. But uh, so I was like, yeah, you're not going to pass away soon. Yay. You know, like, congratulations. <laughs> now, are you an Italian cooker? Like, you make your own pasta? I do when yeah, people okay. come over. Oh, wow. That's I impressive. don't I do not do it for us. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I will. Normal if, night. If, if people come over, I, I, pull, I pull out the stops. Yeah. I, I like seeing their happy faces of being like, Oh, this is amazing. And I, yeah, I channel my Nana. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, let's dive into your journey a little bit. So (laughs) it was fun to hear about how you got hired, but you really were literally a Starbucks barista and you stayed at home with your son. And Mm -hmm. I have to say, just the the reason I'm saying it is because, you know, people come, they're like, are you sure I can do this? I was like, well, you know, people, I've seen people who are Starbucks barista and they think it's just like a metaphor. I'm like, no, I actually know someone who's a Starbucks barista. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then um and then you stayed home and then you entered tech. But like 
What was that journey like? I mean, did you always have tech in the back of your mind, or when did that seed get planted? Like, how did that work? Well, I um, I did a lot of, like, I was part of yearbook in high school, so I had, like, the art background, and so graphic design, that kind of thing, but I never really thought about technology and websites and applications, and after I graduated with a visual arts degree, um, it was kind of one of those things, like, okay what should I do? Videography, photography, even though a wedding planning, I even like dealt, dealt in that. Those are all great, but I still had like this uncertainty of what I really wanted to do and what I really loved. And I always was caught up in the whole, what am I passionate about? Um, while I was trying to find work related to that, like that uh, category, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. um, I was a Starbucks barista. Mm -hmm. And again, I made those caramel macchiatos. And again, everyone's all pumpkin spice now. So I know how yeah. that goes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, trying to apply for work around Charlotte related to, again, uh, the like wedding, like photography, videography, and nothing was happening. Mm -hmm. And so that got very frustrating. And then I tried to do my own business relating to like making t-shirts and stuff like that. And then I got burned out from that. I kind of went into this vicious cycle of having an idea, getting passionate about it and then burning out and then repeating that mm -hmm. it can kind of be frustrating, especially from my husband's standpoint, being like, totally. he doesn't want to see me just deal over and over again and invest so much time trying mm -hmm. to figure out what am I passionate about? Cause he wants to see me really happy and do something for myself because I'm a person that's, I sacrifice things for myself in order to take care of others. Right. Like, okay, I can put that on the side. I'll take care of you. So finally, I just got sick and tired of being sick and tired of this vicious cycle. And I watched a Mike Rowe video that he basically channeled a more practical view when it comes to passion that instead of getting caught up in like, what am I passionate about? Take opportunities to try things out and see where you like. And then um, generally your passion will kind of be instilled through those experiences. And he really focused on industries that have a need because a lot of the people that he works with are in blue collar industry, which is definitely always in need and you can be very successful in it. But I knew I wasn't going to be an electrician or a plumber or anything like is, that. Is Micro Dirty Jobs? I'm trying to yeah. think. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Dirty micro jobs. Dirty. Okay, just make it okay. he's, he's awesome. I wish he could narrate my life. Just a side <laughs> note, but I don't even know if he'll watch this, but anyway. Let's send it to him. We're for sure going to send it. Now we have to, because I'll link to him. We'll yeah. Sure. yeah. So um, anyways, him talking and interviewing with people saying that they generally got to the position there in the blue collar industry by noticing where everyone else was going and going in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And in their case, again, a lot of blue collar work, even though they weren't thinking I was going to be a plumber, them just fulfilling a need and mm -hmm. becoming successful that stirred this huge passion for whatever that happened to be that they were doing. And so I thought, huh, I really want to help people. There is a need out there that I could fulfill. What is that? And I could totally channel the knowledge that I have gleaned from work or college and other things I've gained so far in my life. And I did research and the big thing was tech mm -hmm. development. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, technology, hmm, like what is that? And mm -hmm. so I looked into just Google search, researched, uh, found some like free boot camps. And I'm just like, front end sounds like something because it's artistic related. Back end mm -hmm. kind of scared me because I was like, there's no colors, there's no topography or images, <laughs> right. just right. text. And I'm like, I don't want to just look at 
text. I want to see pretty things. Right. You know, it's got to look I'm good, a, right? I'm a visual person, right? And so um, I did all of that, and I look at my husband being like, "I'm really kind of liking this." Mm-hmm. And there's a big need out there, and I think I could totally like be part of filling right. this need. And he's just like, "Okay, just keep working at it for free before you kind of commit to something that's paid, like for online courses." From there, I. Uh, did courses through Skill Crush, which is an online courses means that they're based out of New York City, but it's all online. And I did their front end developer blueprint. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I just did a lot of projects on my own to improve my skills and then even free UX related things too. Even right. some of the stuff I've done, like uh, Photoshop, and there's even Figma and other things of that nature to mock up or get a better idea and learn how people are. Because again, I love people and I like understanding them and fulfilling their needs. So that UX side with the researching and understanding people totally channeled in. Then uh, I started finally getting some paid work, which was super scary because you're like, I hope I give something amazing. They're paying me. And a lot and a lot of that really helped was I try to find her, I think your advice and other people connect with people locally. Mm-hmm. And I know right now because of COVID, boo COVID, that's hard to do, but right. that really helps connecting with other developers and designers locally, right. sharing stories like this, and then asking them questions to say, hey, I need help. Like I mm-hmm. had no fear asking for help. That's and awesome. usually it's reciprocating because the community is so welcoming mm-hmm. and they want more people to come and join right. and build yes. and design amazing stuff. Right. And specifically, I think you're referring to, I always say, go to a meetup, go to a meetup, go to a meetup. Like that's, I always, I was, I started my group at meetup.com. I know there are other things like Eventbrite, whatever, but don't overcomplicate it. And one of the reasons I emphasize that is I know in our group, people are like, oh, but there are just virtual meetups now with COVID and they figure it out. I'm still going to preach that you can still go to a meetup and there are lots of other ways to do it. Right. Alexandra, like you can be local, whatever, but I've seen so much success come out of this for new people who are like, this is what I can do. And they're like, you can? Yeah. And I'm new. So I'll do it cheap. You will? They're like, yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's great. <laughs> and everybody, yeah. that's totally fine. Everyone who's new, you can charge a low rate to start. That's how you can fill your need. And then you can grow your portfolio that way. So I think that's great. All right. I want to talk about this, like creative. So you're, you list your title on LinkedIn as creative and people focused front end developer. And I think you've laid a lot of groundwork for like why that's the case. Um, but do you stand by that title? Do you see yourself that way? You don't just have front end developers, my point. You, you yes. kind of added something there. Yeah. Why? Because there seems to be, at least what I gauge in the tech industry, a separation between design and development. You're a UX designer or a UI designer. You are a front end developer separate you have them and i'm kind of like why not because the front end developer is going to understand the functionality behind something and again they kind of go deep down in the code and kind of think that way but they don't know what looks good they don't know what colors look good they don't know what fonts they don't know how to lay out or some users when they go on a website there's gonna be pop-ups and they're gonna get very frustrated they're not going to think about those things or even the accessibility they may not even think about that either but then you got the designer parts that, again, they think about things that, again, that I just listed, but they don't really understand sometimes how it functions when it comes to a coding standpoint 
how it loads, like even like JavaScript functions and like all that kind of thing that not saying they may design or create something that may not actually work when it comes to under the hood. Yeah. And so I want to understand both. Therefore, I want to bridge that gap like you use. And I loved it. The unicorn that some people (laughs) view that as because I want to understand both sides. And that's a thing that can be a little tricky that a fear of mine is like, okay, how do you balance both? Because some people say you got to master one or the other. Right. But again, I'm not, I don't want to separate it because I feel like it brings a new perspective that when it comes to building a product that, I don't know, you can empathize with both. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And sometimes I find myself in situations I feel more like the designer and other times it's like, okay, I'm looking more nerdy developer now. Right. And, <laughs> and I would say my ratio presently is like 60% designer, 40% developer, but I want to bring the developer percentage up. I, that's a coworker described that to me. He's like, you're okay. 60%. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like that percentage, but I love that yeah. because just to be clear, I don't think everyone should go out and be like, I'm going to write creative and people focused front of developer on my, I just, I think it's so true and describes you so well. And that's the thing that even though I think there should be a bridge gap and I love all that, cause I mean, I love to X and all, yeah, but yeah. I love because I think it really speaks to kind of what you, the value you bring. That's what I, I brought that up in the intro. You really do. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes. Like you really have this great story that you tell in your <laughs> LinkedIn about like, who you are and how you came to where you are and and the value that you offer. And I think that that's really great. You own kind of the, you own the story that you have. I just love that about you. And I think that it, it provides a lot of context for people because they do tend to think like you have to be one or the other and, and really you're, you're bridging the gap. So I'd love to know though, you know, cause you've done both, both of these things, creative and development, but, what was most challenging for you when you were learning your skills, but like you're not quite employed yet. And then what do you think helped make it stick? Uh, Whether it was designer development. I'm really curious about that too. I guess ironically when making something, breaking it. (laughs) Being like, I don't want to break this. There's going to be errors. There's going to be trouble. But in reality to learn, you got to break things. You got to make mistakes. You got to have like things that when you're designing, oh, the image is way off the page or it's huge or it's like you're trying to click on something and it's not opening and you're like, why? Yes. (laughs) But you got to learn how to fix it and then understand it's not like, oh, it works. I guess it's okay now. But learn from that experience being like, okay this is the problem. Here's the solution. And I, you know, remember it next time. Mm-hmm. And so there's times that I get one little simple problem happens and it takes hours, maybe even days to fix it. And then you just realize, Oh, I was missing a semicolon or something, <laughs> something ridiculous. You're even Google searching. You're like, what is this problem? Yes. This is the error or like this and that. And you're like, Oh my goodness. And now like over time, just again, by breaking things all the time, Sometimes it will take not that long. I'm not like senior level yet. Definitely going to reach that. But I still have the days of trying to troubleshoot things. Don't you worry. But I have no shame. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) But that's what just happened. So (laughs) break it. 
you know, when you're, it. when you're when you're talking about that, it reminded me of because I was a teacher, I was a high school teacher, and I only worked in all boys and all girls schools, which is why I'm okay. about to say that the girls, because I'm talking about the girl, a girls go with that. That I have them write their own website, and it had to be like personal about them, and so that was interesting, all that. But they would get so annoyed because I'd walk around the room, they're like, I can't figure this out, and I'm like, Oh, you're missing this out, Michael. Like, oh, you can't figure this out. Oh, you're and they're like, Wow, and I'm like. No, I've just seen the mistake 30 times. There's nothing. <laughs> but I mean, when you see a mistake 30 times, you're like, oh, so I, just to dig in a little bit, like besides the pain of three days of not being able to figure out what it was, was there anything else that would help a concept stick for you? Did you have any strategies or techniques that you used to remember not to do that again? <laughs> Other than repeating it, you know, seeing it, look at kind of look at looking back at my own code mm -hmm. and even tutorial stuff. Um, and again, I'm a very visual person. I view development and even design. It's like an open book test. You have so much information at your fingertips, yes. but again, trying to find the right sources that will actually provide the correct way to do things. Yeah. And something I've been proving on a coworker of mine, he is a senior front end developer and he's been helping me work on the JavaScript. And I remember I was troubleshooting something for a client and I said, I think this is the solution. He's like, yeah, that's a good temporary solution, but you got to learn the best solution. If other problems like arrive that could yeah. actually will break the temporary solution that it will, again, you can easily fix it. I'm, so I'm trying to rephrase that as best I can, but I guess shifting your perspective and thinking about, yeah, I may have found this article that gives the solution to my problem, but is it the best? Is it the best? But then even you also have to, I try not to overanalyze because again, a lot of people do things differently. Yeah. And you're going to start to understand your own way and your own language yes. when it comes to code or design of what works best for you to give the best product that may not, because again, there's various solutions and all reaches the same goal. That doesn't mean mm -hmm. one person's right or another, other than like obviously errors. Right. But, um, so understanding your own voice through code and design. Yeah. I guess you could say. I could that's say. interesting. Yeah. I like it. No, I think that's really interesting because I know often new de developers are just looking, they're like, what's the one line of code that'll solve this? Yeah. You know, like what that's, that's a very, can you just link to the code? And it isn't always like that, right? Like sometimes no. you have to rethink it. And that's a great question that he posed. And that, and that really also relates to, again, just mess around with it. Like again, break it, mess around with it. And even sometimes if you do the whole copy and paste method, sometimes that doesn't work. It causes more problems. Well, that's why you got to have more literacy and understanding on when you look at someone else's code. Mm -hmm. And obviously I'm all for leaving comments. Like, comment out things, explain mm -hmm. what's going on. Say in my case, someone looks at my stuff down the road at my, at my job, they understand what I'm doing there. Mm -hmm. I'm not confusing them being like, what is this person doing? Like, what is this garbage? No, just <laughs> Do you think your code is pretty? Like you said, you like pretty, do you write pretty code? Uh, I try to keep it very neat and organized and I use in my code editor special color themes and I oh my gosh wow and I, so it, and is I, pretty. it is colorful and pretty well that's why sometimes at work when I make changes it's in a WordPress dashboard so it's just white background black text it's boring snore mm. I'm like can we please put this in the code editor like <laughs> I want to see color. <laughs> I want colors in my code and then it doesn't do any auto formatting and all this I can't use all the shortcuts and I'm like darn it I miss the code editor you it sounds so editor. nerdy in me you know 
don't know. I think why well, <laughs> I definitely know developers have their own preferences and they all like their own code and, and that's how it is. But I know I, I also interviewed Tanya Rasha and she's been a developer for about a decade. She's a very senior developer. But more than that, she's like a Twitter star. She uh, just does a bunch of free tutorials and teaches. I think that's you awesome. may have even I may have even shared her stuff with you guys. Her comments that are is that she has like the most beautiful organized code because it's so organized and easy to read. Yeah. And I remember like when I was looking at that, I'm like, oh my gosh, because I think that's such a that's the hard thing to get so frequently i hear people come in and look at someone else's code and they're like i don't i can't make heads or tails of this i don't know what mm -hmm. it's for you know so let's dive into your work a little bit because i want to talk about your day-to-day -day. you've given us you've given us a, a lot of high level you're doing a lot of different things that that's the truth uh you're I writing have. some code you're designing some stuff i don't know t just tell me a little bit about your day-to-day so it could either be consist of daily. So they use a ticketing system called JIRA. And so the departments send to my project manager like, hey, we need this. She assigns it to me and I look at it and I'm like, okay, they need to change a button color or they need a full redesign. And again, therefore it's a means to be able to communicate and get their idea of what the client or whatever department is what they want. So sometimes I work on that. And that can be very frustrating because they assign me a task. I'm a hard worker. Like if they give it to me, I want to get done right away as fast as possible and give them something amazing. And sometimes I have to wait. So I'm there just like, okay, like any day, give me whatever <laughs> so I can get this done for you. And then sometimes they're in panic mode, like, oh my gosh, this is due right now. I was like, well, I've been waiting for you. So, <laughs> so let's go. Let's, so let's do go. It. <laughs> and so sometimes those are those tasks. And then recently we were doing this huge transition of moving everything on their own server. They mm. moved away from Amazon web server and putting it on our own. And so that was a big transition of moving all the web pages over there, redesigning wow. them. And so we finished that and celebrated. So that was a big feat. And wow, um, impressive. Then again, sometimes it's, I'm assigned like now a big redesign for a website. And that's my only major focus unless something else that's more urgent comes in the way. So um, it's not really anything like agile. I get it's more dailies and stuff like that. And uh, I hope it kind of moves to agile, but again, I think that's more revolt if we have really major projects or things that come our mm -hmm. way. So so what would you say the biggest challenge is? Is the waiting the biggest challenge for you? Yes, because <laughs> I'm a hard worker and I want to get things done. <laughs> when people, but when people are panicking about it, I don't stress out. It's like, okay, because sometimes when I'm under pressure, I get it done, no problem. Because if it's like, oh, there's a fire, it's like, oh, well, I'll put it out. Like, it's okay. And also, when there's too many cooks in the kitchen, to put okay. it in a cliche term. It <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> and what do you like best about your job? My coworkers are amazing. And I get along with them. And if I need help, they, um, they are willing to spend the time to help me out. And I feel like we have a good dream team going on, I guess you could say, to be cheesy. And um, Therefore, it makes my job a lot easier, and I don't have that dread to go into work on Monday. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's really important because I know I even came to the mindset of when I was going to get, you know, looking for a job. I know the first job is not necessarily going to be the best, going to fulfill everything. Like I said, sometimes there's older tech you have to deal with, and other mm -hmm. things like I don't have as much liberty when it comes to designing things. So, it can be very frustrating at that. But then there's a lot of beautiful things that you can glean from and learn from and that can even 
help you down the road of whatever opportunities come up. Even my non-tech work has molded me in the person today that I can input so much in perspective into my own job. Right. Because everyone should not be shameful about their past jobs because a lot of my coworkers have been Starbucks baristas, ironically. <laughs> there you go. Or I call them barista bros because uh, that's what I call the guys. Bros. <laughs> Other miscellaneous jobs before they got into tech and it's, some of them are self-taught. Some of them got the computer science degree. Again, we have a whole plethora of individuals that they all bring so, so much value to our job that if I'm not able to troubleshoot something, they can because they have, you know, a different perspective. I think that that's going to bring a lot of hope to a lot of people. I know that that's a want, a desire that I hear frequently that I want to be in a team of people where, you know, I can add value and learn. Like, it's, like that's what they want. So like when they're describing the vision of their job, that's one of the first things that they'll say, and I hear it all the time, because you don't want to be a drag on people and say like, well, I just hope they can teach me everything, but you also want to be somewhere where you can learn from other people, where you can be giving and, and learning, because that's what you said, like, that you're like, not to be cheesy, but dream team, but that's what, that's what we, you mean, right? Like, you're like, I'm giving and I'm receiving, and it's just awesome. And you got to be open to it. Fear and not say anything will stifle you. You got to be willing to be more vulnerable, Again, ask questions and say like, hey, can you help me? Or, you know, and just have that excitement because not everyone on my team are like the best teachers, but there's some that they like, I love to teach. I'll gladly spend some time with you. And you're mm -hmm. like, awesome. And then again, I reciprocate it, especially through coffee. Be like, here, here's a gift card. I'll give you for Starbucks. Right, <laughs> I know you right. like coffee. You like that <laughs> triple venti caramel macchiato. Here you go. So here's a thank you for teaching me things. Because again, they, they, especially when it comes to senior developers and designers, they've been where you are. So they have right. complete understanding and they don't want you to remain stagnant. They want to just see you grow and, and again, impact others and that being reciprocating in this awesome cycle. So, yeah, um, and they yeah. benefit. They, I mean, this is exactly they, when you when you are writing clean code the way that makes sense for them and their team, and like they benefit. So it's, it's all win win. Yeah, but I love what you said about vulnerability. I think that's so true. I, I, it's hard. It's hard to be like I need help, you know, and to say it in a way that makes sense. So I think that that's great advice, and I'm sure that that's a reason that you that's led to your success. A lot of it. And I still ask for help. Good. Good <laughs> I better. I better. That I feel like I'll still even ask for help if I'm a when I'm a senior developer and designer. You know, like no shame. Probably. <laughs> I think. I think we all. I think we all can use a little help. All right. Yeah. This has been super fun. I wanna. I wanna finish up with this last question. Yeah. Um. I like to. I like to ask everybody this, and I'm super excited to hear what you have to say. So. So make it good. No pressure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but. I mean, it hasn't been that long for you. So hopefully you can remember back to when you weren't okay. hired. Okay. So what advice would you give? Let's say it's a mom. Let's say you're talking yeah. to a mom. Yeah. And she's thinking about going into tech or she's even been doing some starter courses, but she's not sure if it's right for her or if she can really do it. She wants to do it, but she's not sure because, you know, her background isn't perfect for tech whatever, what, insert whatever, yeah. insert Starbucks barista, insert social yeah. worker, whatever it is. Whatever it what, is, yeah. What advice would you give to her? 
you you can, you always have to remain as hopeful as possible because there's times when I was down in the dubs being like, I'm a stay at home mom. Again, I, again, I, that it's a, that's such a priceless position to be in, which is great. But you're like, I want to do something for myself. And you're like, how in the world am I going to do this when I'm juggling the kids and you know, you're, you're super tired. And if once you sit down at your computer to start working on something, they're knocking on the door being like, Hey, what are you doing? And you're <laughs> like, ah. you know, so it can be really tiring, but you, you have to be a little selfish stay as hopeful as possible and um, surround yourself by people that will encourage you and keep driving, moving you forward. Like my husband, he has seen again, the up and downs of me trying to figure out what I'm passionate about. Mm -hmm. And if you're really interested in tech, I'm like more the merrier, like, please, please jump on my computer, take those free courses or whatever paid courses, like just explore, just do it, set some time that I ended up doing a timer thing that I would set a timer for like 52 minutes. Then the timer goes off and I take a break. And then I do that several times that my son got adapted to it. And as soon as the timer goes off, he's like, okay, mommy, go back to work. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, and again, it takes a lot of planning and organizing and discipline. Uh-huh. But as long as you set that time, even if it's just little baby steps, uh-huh. that motivation will keep growing and that hope will just keep burning brighter in you because it's going to be scary. I still have a lot of fears. You just don't want to let those fears stifle and stop that progress because it's going to be worthwhile. And even if, if you're at the position that you are still waiting for that job, just keep building things, keep doing things, keep talking to people and build those sincere relationships because those will bring those would be blessings and those will also bring avenues that will lead to awesome opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. I think you, I think you over delivered there. I love it. That was great. Alexander Thomas, <laughs> thank you so much for being here with me today. I enjoyed interviewing you. I've enjoyed being on your journey and I'm so excited that you got hired in tech. Ah, no, it's amazing. And thank you so much for all your helpful advice and everything. It's been amazing. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to sign up for the UR Techie email list. Imagine being in the tech job of your dreams. Join me to get the strategies, training, and never-ending support to get hired. Sign up at URTechie.com. That's Y-O-U-A-R-E-T-E-C-H-Y dot com. I'll see you next time.